Hello, my friend, and welcome to PM School, an inspiring podcast taking you behind the scenes with badass people and the seriously badass things they are doing, operating, creating, and building. I'm your host, Steph Caldwell, the author of Manifest Her, creator of the PM School podcast and community, as well as angel investor and businesswoman. I am so freaking stoked to have you here. So welcome again. Class is in session. Hey, you guys, I am so freaking excited. I can't even tell you for our next guest. Ariana Ferwarda is the co-founder and CEO of Half Days, which is a ski wear brand for the modern woman. So she and her two co-founders were pretty frustrated with the state of the current outdoor apparel industry, specifically due to the fact that it was completely male-dominated. So they decided, like any amazing, badass, ambitious millennial women do, to create a brand that was built for women by women, creating gear that is so much more approachable, inclusive, and fun than the rest of the industry. Like if you go and check out their Instagram account right now, you will see yourself in the imagery, the brand, and it's just really, really gorgeous and speaks to me, at least on like a soul level. So Ariana runs the operational and business development side of Half Days, including growth, and fundraising. And prior to starting Half Day, she spent her early career working in the market intelligence and retail consulting sector. She graduated with her undergrad and graduate degree from Michigan State University, focusing on market research and analytics. Shout out to those researchers and data nerds out there. I know I am certainly one. She was born and raised in Michigan, and she currently lives in Denver, Colorado. So I cannot wait for you guys to tune in to this interview with me and Ariana. I hope you love it as much as I do. And if you do, then head over to halfdays.com to grab some gear and support Ariana and her amazing crew. Ariana, it's so awesome to have you on the PM School podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Yes, of course. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to dig into all the things Half Days. But before I do, I love to hear from people especially women entrepreneurs, like, what did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you tell people? Like, I want to be this when I grow up. Yeah, that's such a good question. I probably don't have like a very fun answer for this, but I I really like always wanted to be a doctor when I was young. And I would always tell people that like a pediatric surgeon or something like that. I think that was quickly kind of dissolved when I realized that blood makes me so woozy. I was like, that's totally off the table. But I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, so that was kind of like what I really wanted to do. And I kind of think that that was always something that I would say as well. Yeah. Uh, pediatric surgeon, not even a word in my vernacular when I was a child. I was like, I'm a Dunlin trainer. <laughs> Very different level of inspirations. <laughs> but yours is way more one, so <laughs> didn't work out for me. Maybe in another life. Uh, so when you were a kid then, you had parents who were entrepreneurs. Did you ever like try your hand at entrepreneurship, like a lemonade stand or anything like that? Yeah. So I actually have the funniest story about this. So when I was probably like eight or nine years old, this is so absurd. My dad tells this story way better than I do. But essentially my parents, like I said, are entrepreneurs and they had a few seasonal businesses in Michigan. So like a boat rental slash marina and a resort and things like that. And 
in my house growing up in the downstairs, my parents had like an office with their computer and stuff. And I was allowed when I was younger to go down there and play like CD-ROM games and things like yeah. that, you know, typical 2000s things. And one day I yell up to my dad from downstairs and I'm like, dad, what are gross assets? And as a parent, you probably should be like alarmed why your child is asking you this. But he just like walks over to the stairs and tells me the answer to it and then like walks away. And I just go on with my business. And then doesn't he doesn't ask any questions. So then a few weeks later, I we get this envelope mailed to our house addressed to me from the Dip and Dots Corporation. And it was a letter <laughs> that they declined me of the franchise opportunity that I applied for. I'm literally kidding me. I don't don't know where I thought I was going to sell Dippin' Dots, but apparently I was planning on setting up my own Dippin' Dots franchise and they declined me. So I don't know that they didn't want nine-year-olds operating franchises, but wait, this is the best story I've ever heard. Also, huge Dippin' Dots fan over here. Yeah, apparently. I think I like saw it once or twice and I was like, wow, great, great business idea, but (laughs) franchise ownership is for me. Nine. What are gross assets? That's hilarious. I know. I Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I this just confirmed that I need to ask this question on every interview ever because that was such a good answer. I'm like, uh, yeah, I like made bracelets and shit. <laughs> I don't know. I was a crazy kid. So you grew up in Michigan and then you ended up going to Michigan State. What did you study in school? Yeah. So I went to Michigan State and I wanted to do business, but I wasn't like really sure what. I ended up studying marketing in the business college for my undergrad. And then I stayed for another year and did a master's degree in marketing research. So it was a lot of like data analysis and things like that. So yeah, so that's what I studied in college, which was awesome. So that's literally my love language. I studied marketing. I went into syndicated research and analytics after college. Cool. Uh, and like so fell with love it. with it. <laughs> it's, it's really the best. It's so much fun. When you finished up with school, what did you did you kind of go and apply that immediately and work in like an analytics role or something like that? Yeah. So after my master's, actually during my master's, I did an internship with Wolverine Worldwide. And I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they it's like a parent company of a bunch of footwear brands. So they own like Merrill and Sperry, Keds, Chalka, and like a bunch of footwear brands. So I was doing market intelligence for them, which was so much fun. I was using a lot of like retail data and things like that, helping them kind of strategize, you know, what are the next like footwear styles that are doing really well and different things like that. So kind of trend and insight based. And through that, I um, became aware of this company called NPD and it's a data analytics, like retail tracking company. And they do a lot of consulting with brands retailers and I was like obsessed with all of the data that they kind of had and that Wolverine Worldwide was using. So I applied for a job at NPD out of that internship and got it. And then I ended up working there for the following like two and a half years and was there all the way up until I started Half Days. So if my friends are big fans of Chacos, like you were part of the team that got those in the market for them. Yes, they. I definitely wasn't a part of the team that necessarily like launched Chacos into the market, but I did have a little bit of kind of contact with that team, which is really, really fun. What did you do at MPD? What was that role? Yeah, so I worked in account management and I worked really, really closely with brands and retailers. So I was kind of in the weeds of helping large retailers like Amazon and Target, Walmart understand the data that we were kind of selling to them and they were using and 
really having them strategize with like pricing, promotion, distribution, and things like that. One of the biggest kind of things that I really, really loved when I was at MPD and kind of took away from all of that was just like the changing dynamic of retail. So obviously there's a huge shift to e-commerce and omni-channel and things like that. And it, it was just such an interesting thing to me and really kind of understanding like where retail is going and how consumers are buying. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so interesting. Okay. So like asking a question here, because I think somebody probably needs to hear us talk about this. There's not a lot of women that I know that are super data involved or like get excited about analytics or like even feel confident or comfortable in that zone of like genius. Were you always a numbers person? Was it something that you kind of like fell into just out of like curiosity? Share a little bit more on that. Yeah, definitely. I've always liked numbers. I think like math was always one of my favorite subjects, like in high school and things like that. I definitely really, really resonated with like the data side of things because it wasn't so like algebra vibes, but it was more on the side of like being able to leverage numbers to really like tell a story. And I think that's something that I was just so drawn to. But I totally agree. I think a it's like something that is not as like widely available at you know, in school, I think it's it's slowly becoming more and more like a, a major that people can actually kind of like study and things like that. But I do think that there's definitely like an underrepresentation in that side of things. But I do think it's also like a personality and kind of like what you're interested in, because I totally have like girlfriends who like don't like numbers at all and would prefer like the opposite, like are just really creative and like are not kind of that like analytical brained type. So I do think that it's like a bit of a personality trait as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I also think that like school doesn't really do us any favors. The way that I think about research and data is like it's applied math, you know, for interesting use cases. Being yeah. able to understand like, oh, there's a huge consumer shift to e-com is totally different than like trying to do a proof in geometry. Totally. And I think that that's like the one thing that I was happy that I did do a master's program because they were able to like really put it in place. Like the, or the professors in my program were like, former CEOs of like market research firms. So they were like actually giving you the application of it. But in a lot of classes in college, I think that they're more so just like giving you, okay, like you can use this kind of equation to come up with this, but they're not talking about those like high level insights that are actually beneficial. Yeah, totally. Okay, so we've got this theory on this podcast that most entrepreneurs, they're doing something maybe relevant to, you know, what they ultimately create, maybe not, but then they they start to get this nudge, maybe while they're working full time. And you said that you were at NPD before you went to Half Days and started Half Days. What was that nudge like for you? How did this come together? Yeah. So I think kind of going back to when I was younger and like definitely wanting to be an entrepreneur at some point. But I also was like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to kind of get on a career path of something outside of thinking about being an entrepreneur. And then if something comes up that like makes sense for me to do and and that's sort of like the calling, like that's when I'll do it. And I think for me, I was working at MPD for a few years and really loved it there. I was working remotely for them. So that was really nice. I could kind of live anywhere. And I learned so much there. But one of the biggest things for me that kind of started giving me that nudge a little bit to want to create something and start something of my own was just the lack of like challenge, like starting a company over the past year and a half plus has been like one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. And I think that, but I'm so excited to get up every day and do it. And I think that that was the one thing that I was missing in my job previously. And I was always raising my hands for other things, like other projects and taking on more work and things like that. And 
even, you know, them giving me additional things to do, it was never really like kind of satisfying that need and that really like kind of itch to do something more. And I kind of just started feeling that more and more. And I, you know, through that process and and like really thinking about starting a company, met my co-founder Kylie and she is a former Olympic skier. And she, she and I both bonded over the fact that there was just a lot of lacking elements in the women's ski wear market. And, and that really kind of sparked the idea for Half Days. And it really all sort of just like came together super serendipitously. And I ended up leaving NPD after a few months of kind of working at night and on the weekends on Half Days. But yeah, that was definitely the nudge for me, like a little bit of wanting more challenge and then also kind of the, the concept for Half Days and the idea with Kylie sort of falling into my lap. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then how did you meet Kylie? Was this a relationship that you had already had and you guys started talking about this or tell me about that? Yeah. So I met Kylie um, in Denver. So she moved there, I want to say like six or so months after I moved there. And I was friends with her brothers in Denver and that's how I met her. So she came to visit them for a weekend and she loved Denver so much. So she moved there like six weeks (laughs) later. Yeah, that's how we met. So kind of through, through her brother's. So in my head, I'm like, you guys are on the side of some ski hill or you're probably in some lodge a few beers deep. And you're like, man, it sucks that everything you know <laughs> that we wear is male dominated and ugly colors and all this stuff. You know, I'm sure that there's probably a very different story. But how did you guys like start connecting the dots and getting this brainchild moving? Yeah, well, it's pretty funny. Like, honestly, Kylie's brother, Clark, kind of had a, a big part to do with that piece of it because... I was expressing to him how frustrated I was when I first moved to Denver and I was shopping for ski wear. And I was just a frustrated consumer. I was like, there's all these brands in the market. And I was like going to REI and like all of the ski shops. And I was like, there's literally nothing that I want to buy. Like everything was super masculine fitting. It just didn't fit well for a woman's body. The colors were bad. I was just like, what like it, and also it's expensive so like having to buy something that you're not super excited to put on so I was just expressing that frustration into Kylie's brother like before Kylie moved out here to Denver and he's like you need to meet my sister like she has said the same thing throughout her career like she's been sponsored by brands she's you know been provided gear on Team USA and she like nothing ever fit her well and she didn't like the colors or the styles or anything she, he was like you should just meet her and like talk about this like maybe it's something you guys could kind of you know collaborate on or something like that. So that was really kind of the spark for the idea. And then when we met and talked about it, it was sort of like a light bulb moment. I'm like, you're a professional skier. I'm a very recreational skier. I like this easy runs. I didn't be more opposite. Like she literally competed at the Olympics on the world stage for skiing. So I, that was like the light bulb moment for us. It was just like, okay, if we both feel this way, there have to be like thousands of other women that feel the same about not, not only ski wear, but just like outdoor apparel in general. Yeah. So I have to imagine that like once you get that idea to create outdoor apparel, it's got to be an expensive business to get into. So what was like step one for you guys from this conversation? What did you do next? Yeah. So I think after we kind of were like, all right, let's do this. Like that was definitely a few weeks process of of coming up with the almost like the the drive to take that leap. I think that's like the f- first step is like, OK, we have this concept, but like are we actually going to do this? Is it going to happen now or later? So that was kind of the first thing. And at that point, I was just really, really excited to um, do something new and kind of like create a new challenge for myself. So I was like, let's do this. Let's do this like right now. So that fall, like a few months after she moved to Denver, 
in September of 2019, we kind of like formed our LLC and came up with the name and started doing all of those like kind of upfront things. But we had no idea where to start, like in terms of manufacturing or product development, design, like we didn't have any background in any of those things between just so we're like okay that's kind of like the product is kind of a big part of this and it was something we literally had no experience in so that was definitely like the first kind of hurdle and once we started to get connected to a few companies that could kind of help us out on that front we obviously needed money so we kind of you know pitched this to some family members and friends and things like that and took on a small loan to get us started and a little bit of our own money. But, you know, we were how old are we started in 23. So we don't have hardly out of college. (laughs) So we didn't have like a ton of money saved up, obviously. And yes, we took on the small loan from family slash friends and we were able to get started with our first kind of like product development process which is a whole other story but yeah that that was really how we kind of like first got started and then in terms of you know really getting ramped up with like the product we um again had no idea how to do any of it so we reached out and sort of got connected through this like kind of conference that one of our friends is at and we found this company that does end-to-end product development so they help startups essentially get connected with manufacturers and designers and things like that and because we didn't have any of the pieces of that puzzle we're like let's work with someone that can really help us out from like the full spectrum of all of the things and that that was really kind of something that helped us get started and then we learned a lot over the next three to four months about product development and and uh, manufacturing and we kind of took it from there so that's really how it kind of came from like all right let's do this and and like kicking off the process of of starting half days wow okay so i have to ask a question did you like google to find this full service firm that could help you guys from you know everything from like inception to design to creating the product or did you get connected through a friend was it through a conversation how did that relationship get brokered Yeah, super good question because it's kind of a very um, random and like, again, I feel like there's always this question too about like, was it luck or was it like hard work? And a lot of it is is full. There's so many things that are hard work and so many things that are luck, but this is definitely a lucky coincidence. But Kylie's brothers were at a tech conference in New York City and they were walking around because they were kind of like bored at their little like station that they were working at and they were just walking around and came up to this guy and started chatting with him and like, what do you do? And he was like, oh, I work for a company that's end-to-end product development and we help startups get connected with manufacturers and designers for product development. And they were both like, obviously awestruck at the fact that this person they randomly just started talking to was like exactly what we needed at that very moment in time. So we got connected to that company that was based right outside of New York. And that was how we first got connected with them. Wow. That's like so serendipitous. Yeah. So I, I'm like a big fan of like science and serendipity because had those same people had a conversation with her brothers and they weren't thinking about like this business that you guys were developing, they would have had the conversation and been like, oh, that's cool. You know? Oh, totally. What a hateful. Yeah. And if like they, if they didn't know that we were looking for like the manufacturing side of things at that very moment in time, it wouldn't have like, you know, struck a chord with them. So I think you're so right. We've had so many like serendipitous moments kind of happen throughout the process. Yeah, I think that that's part of business though. It's like you have these magic moments and you're like, wow, that was so 
incredible. And it's like, yep, it was coming to you all along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. So I have to ask about the name Half Days. I, I love it. And like in my head, I'm like, you know, it's like when you kind of like skip work to like go have fun, like a half day. <laughs> but was that the intention? How did you guys come up with the name? I love it. Yeah. So the biggest thing that we like kind of had the idea for at the very beginning of this was being the exact opposite of everything else in the ski market. So before we even came up with the name, we knew that it needed to be something that was lighthearted and that alluded to having fun and not taking yourself so seriously and just like really lighthearted. And, you know, we were kind of tossing around a bunch of like words that go around skiing. And one of them was like someone throughout half day ski pass or another thing that we kind of something else is like a lot of people will try to get like first tracks or like first chair. So we're like maybe like last chair or like last tracks, but like that doesn't make any sense. And it's kind of odd, like a very good brand name. But when half day ski pass came up, um, we were like half days like that. That's kind of, you know, catchy. And it really, you know, we kind of decided on that pretty quickly. There weren't really any other like top runners within the name selection, but that was really where it came from kind of alluding to like a half day ski pass, like waking up late, going to the mountain, whatever you want, like taking your time, doing a few runs and then going to opera. So <laughs> that's kind of the whole genesis of the name. We wanted something that was like lighthearted and fun. And, and that really was it for us. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that's, that's, I snowboard, but that's my vibe. I'm like, I'll go yes. down a couple of times, go grab some wine. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's our vibe too, or at least mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have to ask in terms of timing. So you guys come up with the idea, you come up with the name, you form the LLC. And it sounds like now you need to go and I think develop like a prototype maybe. So did you have to take on the loan from your family and friends for the prototype development? And like, what was that process of both asking like your family and friends for money? And then two, like getting the prototype developed, did it come back and was perfect or was there like iterations? Yeah. So the product development process is like a, a long process. So I can kind of like touch on a few key points of it. But yes, I mean, the first step was like we couldn't even start working with this company on a prototype or like really talking to them about development at all until we kind of put some money down and, and really signed on with them. So yeah, I mean, the first and foremost thing we did was just sort of like pitch our idea to a few people. And luckily enough, we have a lot of awesome people around us that believe in us. So we're able to get that. And then we pretty much just, you know, put down kind of the first payment with this company. A lot happened from there until we actually launched the product. So I, you know, one of the biggest things that happened was COVID, obviously. And when we first started working with this company, we were like, all right, these are the things that we need that we want. And Kylie really took the lead on kind of working with this product company because she knows the products so well from wearing it her entire life. And she, you know, really gave them a lot of inspiration of what she wanted the pieces to look like and started working really closely with them to come up with those like initial, basically putting pen to paper for the designs. And we worked with them for a couple of months. And at the beginning of COVID, they called us and told us that their factories and all of their partners were shutting down. Um, so that was so intense and not the thing that you want to hear like three months after, you know, starting this business and a month after I quit my full-time job. I was going to say, were you still working or now? I was working up until February of 2020. So literally a month before COVID locked down the US, I like quit my job. Perfect timing. 
Yeah, perfect timing. So, the, you know, the manufacturers like calling us at the end-to-end product um, company calling us and saying that everything was closing down and they wouldn't be able to get this done for us by the time that we wanted to launch. Like that was kind of that like moment for us where we're like, is this going to work? Yeah. <laughs> is this like going to work for us? But we we kept moving. We kind of started from scratch at that point, to be honest. So everything that we'd done with that company up to that point was sort of nullified and we did you get to pick up like any of the designs or any of like any of the work we got to take that with us yeah because we paid for that up to that point so we were able to get out of the contract with them just because obviously everything was shutting down so we took sort of the initial designs and things that we had up to that point we had like the the sketches the designs tech packs and a little bit of sort of like measurements and things like that so we were able to bring that with us but we now didn't have a designer or a manufacturer or like a product development person to help us with the whole process. So we started just connecting with anybody and anyone that would talk to us. LinkedIn, like literally messaging <laughs> so many people on LinkedIn just being like, hey, we're starting this company. We need connections to X, Y, and Z. And throughout that process, which is also one of the other very serendipitous things that happened for us was someone that we met in San Francisco who ended up being one of our first angel investors emails me in like first week of March, maybe last week of February. And she was like, hey, I know you guys probably aren't looking to bring anyone else onto the team right now, but I just met this woman at a birthday party last weekend who currently works for Serena Williams. And she is thinking about starting her own ski wear brand. And it sounds really similar to what you guys are doing at Half Days. And we were like, okay, like, so she's starting a competitive brand. That's great. Like on top of all the other things. That are- and she's like, I think you guys should connect with her. So we did. And turns out she hadn't really done much. She had like a concept and she wanted co-founder. And we decided to bring her onto the team because she had kind of this like marketing and e-commerce and fashion background that Kylie and I didn't have as much. And she had a ton of connections from previous roles at, at like fashion and D2C companies. So she was also really helpful in being able to help us get connected with some of these like manufacturing partners and designers. We were so lucky that the outdoor industry is very welcoming and people were like so up for giving us help. And offering up introductions. And we were able to, within a really short period of time, like four weeks, get a new designer, two new manufacturers, like based overseas that weren't shut down due to COVID quite yet. And, you know, it was really a blessing in disguise because we got connected with some of the world's best technical outer manufacturers that we wouldn't have been connected to if COVID and, and every, all the shutdowns and stuff were happening, which I think a lot of things just happened for a reason. And while COVID was not the reason that we were hoping for, it really was a blessing in disguise and kind of like how everything turned out with that. Yeah. Holy crap. That's so cool. That like, yeah. And again, like random serendipity that that you had that connection. So I have to ask then with, with the new designers, new manufacturers, when you guys started building out the product, was it like a full product line or did you start with like one simple product? What was like the development process from that point? Yeah, so we really wanted to be able to launch like an outerwear set and a base layer set. So that was kind of our our like core idea around it. We also started working with like a merchandising consultant to help us really understand like what are the key styles that are doing well in like ski and fashion and things like that right now. So we really like leveraged her help with like this kind of sizing and color selection and style selection. So we ended up moving forward with like a core at a so ski jacket and ski pants. And 
both really like minimalist in the design and also just fitting so much better for a woman's body. So kind of a slimmer fit pant, kind of like a higher waist and things like that. And then we also launched with a base layer set. So we wanted to like one of the things that was frustrating for us in the skewer market was there were a ton of companies that were creating like really good fitting base layers that you could wear outside of skiing. Like I think a lot of people just defaulted to wearing like their workout leggings underneath like under or something. Yeah. Or like Blue the Limit or different things like that. And that's just not the what those pieces were really designed for. So we're like, let's create something that was truly designed for skiing, but also looks good off mountain that you can wear on a walk or running or you know in the winter and different things like that. So that's really what we did with those base layer pieces. And they're really, really great looking for wearing under ski wear, but also wearing on an everyday basis. So those are kind of the four first styles that we wanted to launch with. And throughout the process, we also kind of like last minute developed an additional jacket. So we did launch with five styles and that fifth piece was was kind of a like more fashion forward ski jacket with like a belt, which is it's super cute. And we're happy that we that we moved forward with that too. But yeah, so we had five styles that we did that we moved forward with in the first season. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And also like for the listener, I've seen the base layers. I've seen the ski wear. Like you have to go check it out. It's amazing. <laughs> um, okay. So the not so sexy side of business, especially when you're bringing literally like, I mean, obviously you and Kylie were kind of pals or like developed a relationship, but you brought a stranger, you know, through a connection into your business. Like what's the not sexy side of the conversations that have to happen when you're kind of going from a co-founding team of two to three? Totally. Well, the first thing I'll say is she is she was based in San Francisco at the time when we met her. And literally like the week when we met her was probably a week before the country went into lockdown. So we decided to bring her on over the next few weeks of kind of like having a lot of conversations with her. But this was like during COVID. So we didn't meet her in person for like four months after one. So we literally added a co-founder to the team, like, you know. I think that one of the biggest things too is one of the kind of unsexy conversations that had to be had was, you know, how are we bringing this person on in what capacity? Like we're still so early. We can't really make this person like a full-time hire, but we want her to be a part of it. And she is really truly like part of the founding team because we are still so early on at that point, like still pre-products and all of that. So I think that that was definitely one of the like big conversations to be had between me and Kylie. And then bringing her in was, it was just like, Obviously, everyone has their own ideas and bringing someone into the team at a time when a lot of the ideas were already established, like the core products that we were creating, the the aesthetic of those products, the style, the fit, the size runs, the color, like a lot of those things were already nailed down. So I think that's like one of the biggest things, especially not being in person. A lot of these conversations are had over Zoom. And I think just bringing someone in that that has like a little bit of a different perspective. She's a few years older than I, so kind of a little bit different of like her, her perspective on fashion and things like that. So, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a really interesting kind of time and growing pains, I would say like, that's, that's the nature of a startup. Like you're constantly going through growing pains because you're growing really quickly and changing all the time. And, you know, bringing Carl on was like one of the best decisions that we've made. It's been awesome, but yeah, absolutely. There were a lot of conversations that had to be had like early on and a lot of sort of like bumps in the road that, you're you're kind of normalizing with this new team that you didn't really have before. Yeah. And I think another like unsexy side of this too is like I've worked in startups like VC back startups my entire career is the fundraising side of the equation. And like 
as you're, you know, prototyping this, as COVID happens, you have to find new, you know, designers, new manufacturers. Like, are you looking at like your run rate, your, your runway with cash and thinking like, holy shit, we have to launch this thing or, or we're going to run out? Or did you have kind of ample padding to make it through the pandemic? Yeah. So we, like I said, started with that kind of like family and friends loan at the end of 2019. And that really got us through the initial like product development all the way up, you know, you know, working with designers and being able to get kind of to the point of like paying the manufacturer. But when the time came to pay the manufacturer, that's when we really needed additional capital because a skiware is really capital intensive. It's it's something that's expensive to to not only produce but to develop. So that was definitely something that when the time came to pay the manufacturers to actually create it, like they're not going to create it until you pay them. So uh, it is kind of like a lump sum where you have to pay a big deposit up front for them to create the stuff and make all the orders and everything. Um, and then. At that point, we were like, okay, we need we need to raise money. Like, we have to get external financing at this point. And you know, like you said, having background in like VC backed startups, you probably know that before you have a product or before you launch, you're not selling anything other than an idea and the team. So, going out and and starting getting connected to investors and individuals that could give us capital and a, and a sizable amount of capital for, you know, something that really doesn't exist yet is difficult. And I think that that was one of the most interesting thing, things that I did, especially like starting this company and not knowing anything about venture capital or investments or giving away equity or anything like that. So it was a huge learning experience. But yeah, we raised a pre-seed round of 850000 in 2020. And that it really was able to get us through our launch, the full launch season, making full-time hires and, and getting us to where we are today. And we're about to raise another round of funding. So yes, we, we have been doing fundraising and we are venture-backed and it's been a, a really great learning experience but yeah it's a ton of work <laughs> i can only imagine and i have to ask the question so with kylie obviously being like an olympic skier and with your other partner kind of coming in with like connections to serena williams did you guys have like ready access to a number of people that you could go and talk to about fundraising and then also i think from my understanding of you like that's your specialty in the business is like you do the fundraising so what was that what was the best part of fundraising for you and what was the worst part yeah. So to your first question, we were so lucky to have a few connections that could kind of open up that door for us. We were linked up with a few really helpful people early on, one of those being kind of the introduction to Corral and her husband by chance with in the kind of venture capital scene out in San Francisco. And he had, you know, he started a few startups and things like that. So he was really able to make some introductions for me early on, which were so helpful. And whether or not the people would invest, like, I think the biggest thing that I learned was like, A, you're selling the team. And B, a lot of people are not going to give you money for something that they can't even see. So like a product that doesn't exist yet, it's, it is really tough. So even if the individuals that we talked to didn't invest, like, they were all so helpful with introducing us to other people. And for the majority of the answers that were like no's, it was because we were too early. And those people, you know, might invest in later rounds and things like that. So that was definitely something that was really helpful to have for us. And then people just being really nice and being able to like kind of open up their Rolodex and, and give us more connections moving forward. But yeah, that was that was amazingly helpful, just kind of like having having that. And then 
The fundraising piece is completely on me. Yes. So it's definitely been um, an awesome experience. I've, I've learned so much and I think I'm just um, excited to continue to learn more and more. And it's it's been one of like the most crucial pieces of the business, obviously, to be able to order the products and everything. So yeah, it's it's been an awesome process. Yeah. So how long did it take you to raise the 850000 And then once you had that, you know, cash, is it like invest it, you get product, you're launching? Like, what's the time frame? Yeah. So we were in like such a time crunch with needing to pay our manufacturers that we did like a rolling close with the, with the pre-seed round. So pretty much just as soon as someone would commit, we would give them the paperwork, we would get the funds and like pay for the next thing that needed to be. <laughs> you had like two different manufacturers that so, like there were a lot of different companies that need to be paid and things like that. And then also wanting to bring on the team. So yeah, that was that was kind of the process that we did. It took us about, I want to say five months to do the pre-seed round in total. And that, I mean, fundraising takes so much longer than you think. You're like, you go out and you're like, you know, we have, especially even after our first season, like now that I'm raising a seed round, you're like, oh, I have all these answers to the questions that people wanted last year. Like, I know that it works. I know I like all of our metrics and things like that. But even so, they, you know, it's still taking so much longer with like all the paperwork and like scheduling and it's summertime, people are on vacation now and all of that. So um, it takes so much longer than you think it's going to take, but we've been really lucky to be able to kind of operate simultaneously. And especially during our first winter season, like we paid the manufacturers, we launched a couple months later, we were still fundraising at that point, but at at that time, we had revenue and cash flow coming in. So it was a little bit easier and not as uh, much pressure on kind of getting it closed up. But yeah, it took us about five months for that round. Oh my gosh. And so did you, when you guys set out, like have a launch date in mind for when like you're, you're full-fledged going to market, like people can come to your website and buy stuff. And did you hit that launch date? And what was launch day like? Yeah. So like, yes and no. <laughs> We had a brief idea. And I think the biggest reason was because we were working with these manufacturers during COVID and like supply chain delays were happening and freight, freight and import delays. Like there were just a lot of backups last season and they're still happening now with just kind of the after effects of everything. But we had a very like loose idea of when the things would be arriving. One of the biggest things that was a learning experience for us in the first season was the like freight timeline. If you're going to do like freight shipping, it comes on a boat over, it takes about four weeks. And then once it gets to the US, it has to go through customs. And if it gets stuck in customs, it could like, in even further. So, but it's not, you can't do anything about it. So if that happens or like it gets stuck on a ship and doesn't get offloaded for a few weeks, like literally nothing you can do about it. So with all of that being said, we had so many delays up until launch. We ended up doing a pre-sale at the beginning of October. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was pretty much just friends and family because it was like the only people that knew about how please let them know me. Uh -huh. uh, and we had a really successful like 24-hour pre-sale. So that was really exciting. And we basically just told them when the product comes in within the next month or two, we'll ship it to you. So yeah. that was kind of how we started. And then we got about 25% of our inventory, I want to say like the second week of November. So we launched on November 17th of 2020. And Launch day was so much fun. On that day, we, you know, the previous month we started working with a publicist based, based in New York. And 
She was just incredible. And she actually got Vogue to launch an article on Half Days on our launch day. So while we launched like on November 17th, there was like this online article that came out and that really, really helped to drive traffic to our Instagram and to our website and launch was super successful and, and we were so happy with it. But it definitely was kind of like we selected this like arbitrary launch day and we were like really hoping it hit that. And we did hit it, the one in November, which was awesome. The products literally got there like two days before the <laughs> <laughs> We're like scrabbling to get everything out of boxes and like ship them out. So that's kind of how, how that day went. But yeah, overall, it went well. <laughs> that's awesome. How did you guys find your publicist? That sounds like such an opportunity to get featured in Vogue on launch day. Yeah, it is. She's been incredible. We were connected to her through one of Corel's kind of connections from a previous job. I think that one of her previous companies may have worked with her in the past. So that's how we got connected. And she's usually pretty selective with who she works with. And we, I think she just loved kind of our mission and that we were female founded and that we were really kind of striving to change the outdoor industry and bring more women into the outdoors and really being about like approachability and inclusivity. And that was, you know, we kind of won her over with the mission that we had for half days. But yeah, she's been incredible to work with. Oh, I love that. Women supporting women. That is my... Okay. So I have to imagine that after all you've been through, right? Like quitting your job, the pandemic hitting raising a family and friends, you know, I guess pre-pre-seed round of like loan round. <laughs> pre-seed, launch day comes, you get this article in Vogue, you see all of the metrics, right? Like people are coming to your Instagram, your site, people are buying from you. Like what's going through your head as like the first trickles and like hopefully, you know, like the windfall of sales come in? Yes, it's insane. I mean, when we launched like the pre-sale the pre-sale was successful and we were but the majority of the people that bought from us were like people we knew so I think for the pre-sale we were like so excited about that but when we actually launched in November we were like okay like all of our friends and family like already brought product like is anybody gonna (laughs) have anything today like do we have more supporters than this and on launch day I want to say we only had like 3,000 followers on Instagram so we were still pretty small and we were like okay like if you know 5% 5% of those people buy, like, how many, you know, we're gonna, yeah, you're just doing a nap and you're like, yeah, really how much demand is there gonna be? Like, how is this gonna work? And when we launched and we had like a ton of orders on the first day, like, it's just so cool and seeing like all these people that you don't know coming in through, through your website and seeing orders come in and you're like, oh my goodness, I wonder how that person found out about us or that person. And um, starting to see the Instagram account grow pretty rapidly. And then, um, actually seeing people that you don't know out on the mountain skiing in the gear like oh that is the craziest thing like being like oh my god that person's in half days like me and kylie out there skiing yeah. together and we're like oh my goodness they're wearing half days so that was always like the coolest thing to see someone like actually out in the wild so yeah that'll be probably just more and more exciting as the company grows and we see more people out on the mountain but yeah i mean again like it's it's all been a really crazy process but so fun to see like a ton of hard work just come to fruition Yeah, I can only imagine. So when you guys had launch day, were you packing and shipping the orders yourselves or did you have somebody doing that work? And how has it evolved since? Me and Kylie packed and shipped the orders the first like three months ourselves. (laughs) Corel would sometimes, she was based in San Francisco for like the majority of the season. And then she actually moved to Jackson, Wyoming pretty recently. So not a bad place for a ski wear company. No, definitely not. It's amazing there, but 
she she'll come and help she helped us out quite a bit like throughout the season but for the most part kylie and i were like packing boxes all day long like every day and i think the house just like overflowing with so we have a warehouse but okay (laughs) yeah so we have a warehouse but we always have like a ton of samples and stuff like all over our house i think yeah like roommates are like can you guys like get rid of this but yeah so we had the warehouse and that's where we shipped everything out of but I want to say it was in like early February, we posted like a role for for just someone to come in and help us out with shipping. So we brought in like an kind of an e-commerce associate to come in and help us with fulfillment and customer support because Kylie and I were taking up like at least half of our day every day filling orders. And yes, we hired someone full time to come in and do that starting in February. And now she's really helping with everything from like operations to customer support and, and doing a ton of stuff. But this fall, we'll probably have a few more fulfillment individuals because it's it's definitely it got to a certain point where we're like why are we we can't do it we need to be doing other things like growing the business (laughs) yeah yeah but i'm I'm so happy we did that though because i think having such a hands-on experience with the product that you're sending out to customers and like seeing what they're ordering and if they're returning like why they're returning and being able to teach people that we hire in the future like how we like the packages tagged and everything so i'm really happy that we spent like a solid couple of months doing it ourselves. Yeah, that customer obsession really does make a difference, I've found that. Totally. It absolutely does. And we've had such like a hands-on approach with the customer support specifically and and really being able to have like the operations of the business live really closely to like the fulfillment piece of it and, and customer support and fulfillment living like in the same place essentially. And we really have like not had any customer like walk away upset about anything. So that's been awesome. And we hope yeah. to keep that up. (laughs) I'm sure you guys will, especially like having the empathy that you do after, you know, packing and fulfilling so many orders yourselves and seeing the feedback from that. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is like the most exciting thing in the business right now? Like, what are you most looking forward to over the next couple of months? Yeah. So it's a tough question because there's like uh, probably a few different things I could say. But one of the biggest things that I'm excited about is like the community building aspect, the half days community like that we've built so far. Like we launched, like I said, with maybe 3,000 followers on Instagram and now we're past like 13,000 and just we get a lot of messages, especially during our winter season about, you know, from women that are like, I love this. Like, this is so cool. This has been needed in the outdoor industry so badly for so long. And just hearing that come from people who are resonating with what we're doing has been amazing and kind of back to the community piece of it like not only those things excite us but a lot of people want to work for us which is really cool we posted our first kind of like sort of more corporate role um a few months ago actually like two months ago and within the first couple of days we had like 1200 applications oh my god yes it was not even sort through that many that's insane I we we were like all hands on deck with like trying to go through all of these applications and it was a more creative role. So like we really were just looking at portfolios and kind of determining right right off the out on the portfolios. But it was absurd. And we were like, this is first of all so cool and just like kind of alludes to the fact that a lot of people want to work for a company that's doing what we're doing and, and kind of making waves in the outdoor space. But outside of that, just like resonating with the idea of half days and you know we also have had a few kind of like community events we have a hike this weekend coming up in boulder colorado which is going to be awesome and we posted kind of like the signups for that and we put up like 50 tickets and they sold out like two hours and oh my god that's just like so humbling and cool because you know we're like 
people like this and they want to like go to our events and things like that. So I think the biggest thing that's really exciting is the community piece right now. And, and our biggest goal is just to bring more people into the outdoors and give opportunity to like go on a hike with people or learn how to ski and do things like that. It's definitely the most excited about our community aspect of the business. Yeah. Oh man. I love like community related things. So that's so cool that you guys just have and people need to get outdoors more. And I think having like a mission driven brand that brings people together, like you just meet your people. Like there's no other way to say it, you know? Totally. Totally. I okay. agree. So like the less sexy question is what's like stressing you out the most in the business right now? What's challenging you? Yeah. So I would probably say right now supply chain and against the reason is because there's just been so many like after effects of COVID and there like our lockdowns still happening in other countries. And I think that that's just been something that's like tough to see because obviously like some parts of the world are, are getting better and overcoming it and some places are still in lockdown and having some of those things happen to us like it's it's such a catch-22 because I want to be like upset and sad that we're not going to get our stuff in time but I'm also like but this country is like in lockdown and there's like worse things that be happening so I think like we try our best to just not get stressed out about it because it's so out of our control. But yeah, that's that's definitely something, unfortunately, that can be stressful and and just not kind of like hitting the timelines that we're setting out for ourselves, especially like with launching during a COVID year and then having to kind of again feel like we're still in that delayed timeline, especially after doing so much over the past year to avoid that every way we possibly could and then to still be in a similar position. So you know, it's all going to be okay and totally fine. And we might be delayed for a couple of weeks, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Well, I guess the silver lining is like, if you can have this level of success during the middle of a pandemic and like the most horrible supply chain issues we've probably had yeah. in years, <laughs> like you're going to kill it when it's yeah. back. <laughs> totally. That's what we keep thinking. We're like, oh, like we can't wait until this is over to get something to like how it was before in terms of supply chain. But yes, we we kind of have this mentality. Like if we can launch this company and build a team and build a product and launch a product to people, buy the product, like all within a global pandemic, I think we can do just about anything. So yeah, I, th- I think you'd be okay. <laughs> so how would you say like your your life, your upbringing, your education, your career has informed the way you lead at Half Days? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I want to say that probably like one of the, Big, I, I'm just such a people person. And I think that throughout my, it's so are my parents. And I think that throughout kind of my like upbringing and things like that, I, I just always like love being around a lot of people and, and inviting everyone and being kind of like inclusive. And I would say that's like one of the, the things that I like to keep in the back of my mind when I'm leading at half days is just opportunity and really being able to ensure that like everyone is feeling included in things everyone's ideas are being heard and voiced and I think when I was younger in school I was like probably a little bit quieter when I was like in in class and things like that because I I don't know this because I went to a small school but I I don't think I ever felt like really empowered to like speak up and like share my ideas and things like that and I don't want anyone to ever feel that way like especially working at half days so you know we really try hard to make sure that like we're talking to our employees often and like making sure that everything is going well for them and that all of their kind of like career goals are, you know, being expressed and heard by the rest of the team. And I think that's definitely like one of the the biggest things that I want is just like providing opportunity and like inclusion among everything. I love that. That's so special. And I, I'm sure that your team feels that in everything that you guys do and will continue to feel that as the company grows. 
Yeah, I definitely hope so. So this is one of my favorite questions to ask because every founder has a different answer. What's the legacy that you want to leave? Like when you're long gone and people are laughing about you or telling stories about you and, and you know, who you were as a person, what do you want them to say? That's such a good question. I probably would say like two things. First of all, like when they're talking about me and how I was probably like happy and optimistic. I think that that's kind of like how I I try to be in all situations. And it definitely gets tough in times of like stressful situations with business. But I I would say that that's something that I I really want to kind of like have as something that people remember remember me by. And then also I would say empowering other women to do awesome things. And, you know, right now I can do that through like building a team and being able to empower the the women on my team, but also in the future when I'm able to be able to give back in the same way that, that people have helped me over the past two years by investing and by mentoring and different things like that. That's definitely something that I want to be able to give back in the future. And, and that kind of be something that people remember me by too. Love that. I, I really, really love that. I think we need more money flowing through into the hands of women. So that's really cool that you're already thinking about how you can make a bigger impact there. Couldn't agree more with that. All right. So what's next for Half Days and how can our listeners support you? Yeah. So we'll be launching a new collection this fall, which is oh, <laughs> I know some new style and colors and things like that. So that's going to be really fun. And I mean, just follow on Instagram, sign up for our email list. Our Instagram is at halfdays and halfdays.com is our website. So kind of just staying up to date with what we're doing and supporting in any way you can. And yeah, that's pretty much what I would, you know, kind of hope from the the listeners. Yeah. And I'm going to be a little bit more pointed. Like, ladies, go check this brand out. (laughs) Know that there's badass women behind it and get some dope gear. Whether you're a skier, a snowboarder, I don't know, a Chicagoan that just needs (laughs) cold weather gear, go check them out. Ariana, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you so much, Steph, for having me. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. If you loved this podcast and you got value out of it, I highly recommend you come check out our community. Also, if you could take one minute to share this with a woman entrepreneur in your life who you think it would impact, that would be totally badass. And if you're not sure who needs to hear it, but you know someone does, snap a picture of wherever you're listening, what your main takeaways are from this episode and post it on social media. Trust me, someone out there probably needs to hear from you that this episode is what they need to do next. And if you feel so moved, please leave us a review by going to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leaving us an honest review. Tell us what mentors you want to hear from next, what topics you want to hear more of, and anything else you think we need to know to make this more impactful for you.